0: Is not. It's love, sweet love It's the only thing that just
1: love. Welcome to what she said on 1059 The region I'm your host Candace Sampson. It's almost impossible to keep up with the news anymore with so much happening at home and abroad. It's terribly overwhelming. So as we approach the three-year mark of the pandemic in Canada and deal with the economic pressures of war overseas and the pandemic at home, not to mention the incomprehensible loss of lives, and so, so much more, all I want to say to my listeners is that I hope you're taking the time to put your oxygen mask on first by stepping away from the news when you need to and taking care of yourself. As usual, though, I'm here weekly to give you a little bit of information on a variety of topics to keep you in the know and to provide a little perspective from amazing guests. This week, I speak with Ruslana Savensky, founder and driving force behind Help Us Help the Children, which has been helping orphans in Ukraine for 30 years now. Deeply passionate about saving Ukraine's children and nurturing a new generation that will deliver a prosperous future for Ukraine, Ruslana has been working tirelessly, especially the last two weeks, to help all the orphanages she works with and to help find safe passage for the orphans they help. She joins me to share ways that we can get involved. Anne Brody has the latest in entertainment this week with her thoughts on Wildwood with Michael Grey Eyes, Phoenix Rising about Evan Rachel Wood's abusive relationship with Brian Warner, a.k.a. Marilyn Manson, and the much-anticipated The Adam Project with Ryan Reynolds on Netflix. Plus, she's back later on in the show with an interview with the fabulous Cassandra Freeman from the new show Bel Air based on the 90s comedy series The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. The last couple of years have been filled with anger and divisiveness on just about everything in our society and it's wearing us all down. In an attempt to turn things around and build community, Catherine Dunphy is asking people to look for the good all around them and amplify kindness on social media media whenever you see somebody being kind or alternatively when you do something kind. By shifting our focus to the helping instead of the hurting, we can move together towards a brighter future. Denise Chand from The Sacred Space joins me for the third installment on Getting Your Life Unstuck. In this week's interview, we take a closer look at taking a closer look at ourselves. From processing disappointment to assessing our thoughts and behaviors, Denise shares why the biggest key to getting unstuck starts by looking inside. Betrayal, believe it or not, can be an opportunity. And Stephanie Rourke-Jackson, founder of Beacon Coaching and Leadership, is joining me today to discuss how. While admittedly there is pain when betrayal happens, Stephanie, through lived experience, wants you to know that you can move on together with the person who betrayed you and step into a better life together. It's another full week at what she said with the interviews that empower, educate and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 1059 The Region. the past two weeks, the world has watched in horror as Russia invaded Ukraine, displacing millions of peaceful people. Perhaps the hardest images are of the children. Roslana Zhevznevsky is the founder and driving force behind Help Us Help the Children. Deeply passionate about saving Ukraine's children and nurturing a new generation that will deliver a prosperous future for Ukraine, Roslana joins me today to share how we can help from here. Welcome to the show, Ruslana.
2: Thank you very much.
1: So you were obviously involved uh, with Ukraine prior to this. Uh, How many orphanages and orphans um, have you helped before the war?
2: So we've been doing this project for 30 years. The beginning was the fact that I had three of my own children and adopted my fourth child from Ukraine and realized the horrendous shape that the orphanages were in 30 years ago. So once my child got better and she was basically on death's bed when I brought her to Canada, I remember the pediatrician saying, this child won the lottery. What are you going to do about all the other thousands of children you described that you saw in Ukraine? And that was it. That's how Help Us Help started. All of a sudden, young professionals, teachers, doctors, pharmacists, we all got together and started to do humanitarian aid routes. So every year we would try to cover at least 100 orphanages three times a year. We touched uh, probably twenty-five to thirty thousand every year, and we also did camps. In ninety-six, or ninety-three, we started with the humanitarian aid routes, delivering to every part of Ukraine. So when I see all the names of the cities and towns being bombed, there's an orphanage in almost every one of them, and that's where we would go on our routes. When we, when I realized in summer when we were doing orphanage routes, I realized that there was. Um, no programming for the children. So we started life skills camps in summer and in winter to help these children adapt to independent life. I would say that through our camp program, at least 12,000 children, I actually have the stat, I think 12,000 children have gone through our camps throughout the years from 96 until COVID hit. Um, we have a huge conglomerate of scholarship students, because once the first generation grew up, we knew that they have to have a future after the orphanage and after our programs. And we started a scholarship program. So we've delivered on, uh, I don't know how many hundreds of kids that have got their scholarship. Right now we have 52 kids on a scholarship program in Ukraine, and they're from all parts of Ukraine. So basically we've brought up three generations of Ukrainian citizens, children that didn't have a future many who developed a future because we gave them the, the life skills and um, they adapted to living in uh, independently and within uh, things. A lot started families and a lot became doctors, lawyers. We've got great success stories. And what hurts the most is that that's the children that's since the 90s and they're all these boys and girls that will be on the front line. And I uh, just I'm horrified that I don't know how many will come back home alive.
1: I believe, I think the world is horrified with you. And I mean, what are you hearing now about the orphanages that you work with on the ground in Ukraine?
2: Okay, I can try to give you a little bit of details. Right now, we've been able to contact 31 orphanages. Out of those 31, 75% are safe. They've been taken out of the country, uh, the children or not, but 25% we can't get a hold of. They're in the occupied territories already. We can't uh, get to some of our kids in Donetsk. We can't get even to some of our kids in Jotomer, We can't even get to some of our kids near, um, well, like Kherson. all those cities where we had children. Um, what we're trying to do is at least still send some kind of money, but they're running out of supplies. They're encircled. I don't know what's going to happen there. I really don't. Um, we, we, we are on co- in constant uh, communication so far until they, I guess, cut us off. We have kids that actually run our office in Ukraine that used to be orphans. They are our Ukrainian office now. So they used to be scholarship students and then they became volunteers and now they run our office. So we have one kid who was, he's not a kid anymore, he's 32, but he's still in KU. He won't leave KU. They feel that it's important to stay there. We have three that are safe in Lviv. They're working as an office from Lviv monitoring where all our children are, who is left, and uh, who we can help individually of the scholarship students. And we have one in ivano frankius who's also seeing where people can get easy access to get to a safety. Um, out of our scholarship students in the past, we've already reached out to 150 and we're trying to support them because a lot of them are already traumatized. Um, and we're trying to support them financially and physically meaning sweaters, whatever they need. We're trying to get to them, but food is running out and um, it's just a sad situation.
1: Sorry, Ruslana, are you able to facilitate uh, bringing any of these orphans to Canada at this time?
2: Not yet. It's too early in the game. It's only 14 days, but there are people here willing to charter planes and bring them to Canada. So I have heard that and they're trying to see if uh, we can arrange that. And so I have a phone call with them later on today. But we also have to do the refugee status papers. That's just come out from the ministry um, in the last two days. And, uh, you know, we're trying to navigate through those papers. And the portal's not up fully yet on the Canadian government side. But we are putting in phone calls. We'll see what we can do. We're not there yet. Right now, we're in what I would call emergency mode. Supply what they need. um, Deliver what we can. Save who we can save. That's where we're at right at this moment. I would say, you know, the team is working really hard on the ground. I'm devastated because it's three generations of youth we brought up with the thoughts of civil society, democracy, freedom. And this man, this crazy man decided that he doesn't like it and he's gonna kill, bomb all of Ukraine and kill as many people as possible. It is horrible. The request that I got to ask, you know, so maybe it can go um, via you as well is give us a green corridor. We can't get the kids out safely. Every time we wander out, they start shooting at us. We can't, and then we have to retreat. So that's their big uh, request. If we can get them out of there, then we can bring them to Canada. We can do anything like we can get them out, but they, they go out and then they have to go back in because they start shooting at them. So we need to, as a nation, as uh, a a global society, demand uh, a green corridor for uh, these children and adults and whomever has to get out, actually.
1: So people who are listening then, I'm sure people are listening, we all feel helpless at this moment. Um, what can we do? How can we help you?
2: So we have two uh, projects we're doing right now. We're doing the evacuations and a status on all the children, trying to help them. And the second thing we're doing is de- delivering Um, basically a first aid military. Well, it's not, it's called IFACs. They're they're actually first aid kits for all the soldiers on the front line because they were out of them because of the past war in Syria. So it was like defunct. So we're building them there. Actually, there are people on the ground uh, that are putting them all together for us. And then we're going to deliver them to the front line and to CAVE and to all the centers. So that's one of our projects because we do work with veterans and their children as well. Once this war started in 2014, we added that project to help us help. And so we deal with those families, and all those veterans are now back on the front line. So we, they, and the first thing they said is, We have no IFACs. They're called IFACs, International First Aid Kits. So we are putting that together. We're also getting medicine, over the counter medicine, such as acetaminophen, all the things that a soldiers need for pain, et cetera, et cetera, gauze, you know, like all the things that we can do in terms of, um, we can't do prescription drugs, but there's a lot of things that are painkillers should something happen or they get sick or whatnot. Um, the other thing that we're going to be looking at is uh, the donations to keep us going. And I can give all that information to you. The checks can be made payable to help us help. And the mailing address is Post Office Box, eight four six zero zero, RPO Blur West, and that's Toronto, Ontario, M six S. Oh God, I need my glasses. Nine Z nine. We can
1: share it. We can share it in the liner notes, Roslana, for the show afterwards. Uh, if, if you can just share your website and social channels then so people can connect with you there.
2: Okay. You can connect through um, uh, the on Facebook. It's helpushelp.charity. Uh, on Instagram as well, it's helpushelp.charity. And do you think I remember um, for our veterans It's www.veteranhub.com.ua. If you go on to help us help, that's basically they'll find us immediately. Okay I think that that's it on
1: okay, wonderful. Rosalana, thank you so much for no, thank you so much for joining me today. This was fantastic, and we thank you for all of your hard work. and I hope that uh, people step up to help you continue.
2: all right. Thank you very much, and I will email all the information you requested. Okay, I know. <laughs>
1: Are resilient leaders despite the ingrained obstacles we encounter in our society. We have the strength to amplify things that matter and the determination to see it accomplished. My next guest is an author, advocate, and founder of the Kimberly Project. Catherine Dumphy was spurned to action after the sexual assault and attempted murder of her sister-in-law and began the process of starting a nonprofit to help facilitate an end to violence against women and girls. With all that is happening in the world today, Catherine is now inviting us all to amplify kindness and joins me to discuss how we can get involved. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you for having me, Candace. I appreciate it. So you and I were having a discussion, um, you know, on uh, online, and you told me about this, and I immediately jumped on and said, "Yeah, let's get this trending." So, what inspired you to start this?
4: Well, I think that. It has been a very heavy time for everyone. We are emerging from a pandemic. And during the pandemic, there was um, unfortunately a huge surge in violence against women. Um, and two women in my life encountered said violence. My sister-in-law, Kimberly, who um, was violently attacked by an unknown perpetrator. And then my sister who fled an abusive relationship during the lo- first lockdown. So, so it felt very much like Oh, a lot of the women in my life were in crisis because of violence being projected or perpetuated against them. Um, and I just thought, no, <laughs> that can't keep happening. Um, so, um, so I, uh, at the time I started a fundraiser and we raised funds to help my sister in law. But now that we are in the process of, um, launching the Kimberly project, emerging from the pandemic right into the open arms of a potential war, a uh, world war, I'm like, we need to cultivate some kindness in our lives. We need to touch that part of ourselves, that empathetic part of ourselves and reach out to those around us because that's how we are as creatures, as human beings, we are relational. And the reality is, is that doing something good makes you feel good but it makes other people feel good and it draws the community together. And I have to say the community of Whitby did an amazing job rallying around my sister-in-law. They, they showed that a little bit of kindness can really make a difference. And so the amplify kindness is a way for us to try to cultivate openness to, to love and solidarity among among human beings. And um, I think that we lose sight of how important that is, not just for the individual, but for us as a society so that we can, you know, um, have a peaceful life. So we're not bogged down by war and division and hatred and racism and all of the negative things that we have encountered um, since the advent of COVID. And, you know, all of the things that trickled out of that the complaints and the trucker convoys and you know it has been a very hard time for everyone and the best way that i know how to make it better is to do something for someone else so i'm asking everybody let's do something for someone else come on
1: because it's- and i think i think that's that's an easy ask and mm-hmm. i think also it's it you know if if at this point, if we're at this point in things that we don't recognize yeah. that we have been played yeah. on social media I know. with yeah. this division and this nonstop rage yeah. uh, and basically abuse, mm-hmm. uh, what we've been we've all been, uh, you know, victims of uh, mm-hmm. for the last few years, uh, you know, it's time to push back. And, you know, uh, infect things with kindness instead of hatred yes. and uh, get people jumping on that hashtag for a change. Yeah. Uh, so there is uh, the hashtag actually is amplify kind. kindness. It is. Um, and I think you would probably agree that these acts shouldn't be performative. Um, You know, don't do them just for the sake of getting it on video. Yeah. We do them <laughs> without do telling them. anybody. Yeah.
4: Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you don't have to. You don't have to do a big production. This isn't an about you know uh, getting screen time. This is about plugging into our empathy, plugging into our sense of we can we can get through this. We are in this together. Kind of like that sentiment early in the in the pandemic, um, but in a way that is going to really help someone out there that really is struggling. Um, So yeah, so I am like I encourage everyone, you don't have to promote, you know, put your but post your videos. If you do, please, you know, that's great. I want to be tagged. You can find me on Instagram, you can find the Kimberly Project on Instagram. Um, and we want to share that. We want to raise hope. We want to raise the mood and and amplify goodness as opposed to everything that is weighing us down at the moment.
1: Yeah, and I would say also to share to share things, the nice things, just little things that people do for you
4: uh,
1: and amplified those moments. I mean, I have to tell you, you know, a gentleman the other day at the grocery store parking lot took my empty cart from me to put it back in the corral. And I almost broke out into tears because it was just the smallest act of kindness that was so, is so lacking in our world today that moved me. So these moments, just little moments and can move into big moments. So let I'm with you. Let's amplify kindness. Yeah. Uh, where can everybody find you, Catherine?
4: They can find me on Instagram. My handle is Catherine. Thanks, um, or they can find the Kimberly Project, and it's the handle is the Kimberly Project on Instagram. We're building our website right now because we're really, really new, and we have a lot going on, <laughs> like everybody right now. Um, but we encourage everyone to do whatever little thing you can do. You know, even like, you know, a secret kindness, you know, leaving something on a neighbor's doorstep. Like, honestly, it's such, a, it's such a positive feeling and it feels so hopeful and we are starved of hope right now. So I hope myself that we all participate so that we can raise morale. Um, and so, you know, we don't lose sight of the fact that um, we're all one people.
1: Okay. Thank you so much for joining me this week, Catherine. Thank you. you know you can cry to the
2: one Always confiding
4: on You can to the one that you love I like what I see yeah. A boss like you need a boss like me uh-huh. Daddy from the street so he move low-key Trying to rock that mic
1: Joining me now for Saturday Night at the Movies is Anne Brody, who is joining us again twice this week, first with a roundup of what's new in entertainment and later on in the show with an interview with Cassandra Freeman. Uh, but first, Anne, let's jump into what's new on TV and at the movies.
5: Well, there's uh, two film. The first two films I want to talk about are about journeys, important life-changing journeys. The first one is Wildhood, a Canadian-made Mi'kmaq film about a, a teenager who escapes severe abuse at home and hits the road with his brother, um, starring Philip Lewitzki and uh, our friend Michael Gray-Eyes. <laughs> do you remember him?
1: <laughs> yes, I, I know that you have quite a crush on him.
5: I do too, yes. Uh, so they take off. He's, he's ex- escaping this violence at home. He's been told his mother's dead, but he has a feeling that, She's not. So he sets out to find her, um, tough stuff. The there, they have no means of getting there except by foot. And they're traveling down the fundy footpath, uh, beautiful territory by the way. Um, and they have adventures along the way. They meet Pazme, who is a powwow dancer, professional dancer and he and link develop, um, a bond a love bond so they carry on and we learn so much in it it's it's very transcendent and it uses a lot of cultural imagery like uh, powwow dancing and certain things within the community it's a lovely thing and it's about finding your truth and finding joy
1: something we all could do uh right now is find a little bit more joy in things what else do you have for us ann
5: well, we've got fear. It's set in Bulgaria. And it's weird. It's it's about xenophobia, uh, but it's also very funny. It's kind of sly. It slips up on you. It's black and white. So we have Zvetla, uh, who's been fired, and she lives out in the country. Very, very poor. It's the poorest nation of the European Union. Uh, so she's lost her job because the school is closed. She's out hunting, and she stumbles across a very well-dressed black man with a suitcase walking on foot. In deep winter through the woods, they don't understand each other. She takes him home. She feels sorry for him, gives him a place to to live uh, for the time being. And her neighbors are so cruel. It's Bulgaria full Bar- Bulgarians. That's their cry. Very xenophobic. Um, and they make life incredibly difficult. But I got to tell you, this this whole juxtaposition of humor and the ugly realism of of the xenophobia is really intriguing. And the lead performances are just out of this world. So it's well worth seeing. It's on uh, digital and TVOD.
1: Okay, I want to talk about The Atom Project because it seems like everything Ryan Reynolds touches lately turns to gold. And But this one in particular, just watching the trailer, really tugged on my heartstrings. This one seems exceptional. What did you think of it? Well, it's a
5: it's a tissue film for sure. So Ryan Reynolds is a pilot uh, going through space when he's followed it when he falls into a wormhole, and something happens to him. He wakes up in a shed. A little boy discovers him. Turns out it's his younger self. So there he is out in in the woods in this in this home trying to hide from people. Jennifer Garner is the little boy's mother, and therefore. Ryan Reynolds' mother, so he has to find a way to ward off invading aliens, and it's all about the Atom Project, which, which is time travel, and it mixes nostalgia and uh, sci-fi and action in a really interesting way. And also, um, he funded it himself through the Group Effort Initiative, which is to give work to people of color So, you know, hooray so many times for Ryan Reynolds again and again.
1: Yeah, he's a stellar, stellar person. And I just have to say, Zoe Zeldana is in this again. And it feels to me like if there is a space movie to be made, she is going to be cast in it. She's been in Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Trek, and now the Atom Project. (laughs) She seems to be typecast as a space woman.
5: (laughs) It's super, super. Yes, that's that's the
1: woman. And then we had, all right. Uh, let's let's finish with Phoenix Rising. Oh yeah.
5: Okay. So Evan Rachel Wood went to the U.S. Congress in California legislature to fight for the rights of victims of domestic abuse following a, uh, an intensely abusive relationship with Brian Warner, aka Marilyn Manson, that went on for ten years. She was isolated, starved, abused in every possible way. She was not her freedoms were taken away. Finally, she escaped and she, she put on this warrior armor and went to bat and she managed to get the bill passed and which extends the um, statute of limitations from three to five years in California for victims to come forward. And honest to God, some of the uh, things that she says he did to her, we can't even talk about um just incredible and of course this week he comes forward with denials brian warner's his name um denials and lawsuits against her so who knows where this is going to go but uh makes you think
1: and where can people that? catch that that is on hbo crave okay and you're going to be back later in the show with an interview with cassandra freeman from bel-air thanks yeah, so much Anne. and so. bye Denise Chand is a certified cognitive behavioral and relationship coach, unstuck expert, author, and co-founder of The Sacred Space Coaching, helping women across North America make empowering shifts to get unstuck in life and relationships and become unstoppable. She is joining me today for the third in a year-long series, helping women from all walks of life get unstuck and Feels like we need you more than ever right now, Denise. So let's jump in.
6: What are we talking about today? Well, we're going to continue talking about self-sabotage because that is what keeps us stuck. And I cannot believe it's already March. Um, so it is talking about, first of all, self-sabotage. I find myself also, I'm going to be totally transparent here. I, I find myself doing it. And, and you have to practice, again, everything we've been trying to teach and we're going to be teaching everybody on, on this journey is how to manage your mind, how to get to know yourself. And that's what really I want us to like discuss today is how to just to get to know yourself, which is a deep reflection into yourself, and your mind, how you think.
1: OK, great. So you have sort of uh, a series of steps Uh, Mm -hmm. lined up for today so do you want to start with the first one about
6: processing disappointment I heard a quote and it it's powerful it says don't let today's disappointment cast a shadow on tomorrow's dreams we cannot just get lost in our disappointments and try to bury it we truly have to take that time take time to process it because you have to honor what you're feeling because what you're feeling in a disappointment is not a fleeting uh, thought. It is not insignificant. It's very important. It's very relevant. So you have to set set some time to honor yourself, honor what you're going through, honor that situation, what it is that you're feeling. Otherwise, if we try to brush past it and, and just bury it, resentment, unforgiveness every possible emotion will start to stir within us and you're not healing. You're not healing from that disappointment. Hence, leads to self-sabotage, talking yourself out of moving forward. I have to say too, you know,
1: with all that is going on in the world right now, it's really easy to talk yourself out of something. It's almost like an excuse we can use now. Well, there's no point doing this because everything just feels so out of our control. But As you and I were discussing before this interview, a lot of that really is what's in our heads and how we control how we're reacting to the situation. So mind management, as you said, is huge, which I guess brings us to your second point, which is assessing our thoughts and behavior patterns. Mm -hmm. Yes.
6: So mind management is something we have to learn and practice. We can't just pick up a book and say, "Okay, this is what it is. And then that's it. Oh, yeah, I know what it is. It's great to know what it is. But now it's to learn what it is, learn yourself, get to know yourself, get to know your thought process, become an observer of your own thought. So basically, like watching yourself from above and how you think towards situation, you have to learn your trigger, what it is that upsets you, what it is that causes you to react to something, what what word, what voice, what, what situation, everything. So learn your triggers, learn how to, when something happens, What's your response to a situation? So you're learning a lot about yourself. I keep saying, repeating myself on that because it's so important because now we learn how we think, what causes us to do what we do, what causes us to react the way we do, and then reassess it. Is that really beneficial for me? How does that make me feel when I reacted to that situation yesterday? Is it bringing clarity? Is it where I could actually think with clarity to make a a responsive act? um, decision to move forward rather than being reactive because if we react we're reacting of emotion if we're we're responding we're responding from a place of clarity so again learn your trigger learn your thoughts how to move why you think the way you do and assess yourself and then practice mind management I cannot like overemphasize how important it is to keep practicing it every day every situation no matter what it is
1: all right. Well, I mean, it may it may seem difficult for people to think, oh, there's brighter days ahead because, you know, we all fall into that. <laughs> uh, again, current circumstances. Uh, but let's, you know, how do we then shift our mindset to, to believing that they're not only believing, but uh, behaving as if there is a more positive outcome on the horizon?
6: Well, first of all, we truly have to acknowledge what it is that you're going through, what it is that's causing you that pain to just Suddenly, not to suddenly start thinking positive and make positive affirmation when you haven't really come to terms to what what's going on in your life, that disappointment, that pain, whatever it is—relationship, job, finance, whatever it is—you have to first of all, the first key is to see what the situation is, acknowledge the pain, acknowledge what you're feeling, and then now, once you're sitting in there and you're acknowledging and honor yourself to say, okay, this this upsets me. This is not right. And then when you come to that center of that situation and not allow yourself to get pulled into it, then now what happens? You do start to see clarity. And you will see that light at the end of the tunnel. You may not see all the way to the end, but you'll see when you're driving a car and on a dark road, you only see as far as the headlight can take you. And then when you get to that point, you move forward and move forward always look. It does. It'll look and you'll just see what you're doing. And that's where the positivity comes. But the first thing is, don't deny what you're going through. Don't be hard on yourself how much it hurts and how angry you are. Acknowledge it and then say, I can't remain here. It's not healthy for me physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And how about when, you
1: know, uh, focusing on our well-being, are there things that we should be prioritizing there uh, you know, is it spirituality first? Is it physical first, or does it really depend
6: on you? It actually depends on you. so self-care. So it is very important self-care. it's it's different for everyone. So whether we want to take care of ourselves physically first, spiritually, mentally, whatever that situation, whatever your that your your priority is, but nonetheless, they all work together because if mentally we're not taking care of ourselves mentally, it will affect our physical being. And if it affects our physical being, it also will ex- affect us spiritually. So again, it goes back to the biology of the mind, how the mind thinks, and then the mind sends message to the brain and the brain then sends message to the body and hence stress, chronic stress, which leads to every possible disease out there. So again, it takes us back to to mind management. 90% of um, diseases that we have, a human being, whether it's heart disease, diabetes, whatever it is, stems from stress. And about three to 5% around that is basically generic factors, you know, hereditary, whatever it is. But 90% of it is stress. So if it's stress, what does that mean? Our mind, what it is we're going through. So this is a key, why it's so important to mind management, to learn it, practice it, every single day, even something as fun.
1: I'm just sitting here nodding in agreement with you because I'm thinking we really should be teaching this at such a young age. It seems like so often we don't actually learn these skills until we get to adulthood when stress is really rearing its ugly head with our, with our health, our physical health, uh, that we start to actually look at it. So let's talk about separating ourselves then um, and leaving behind the things that are
6: beating us down. There's that saying that says elevation requires separation. So for us to elevate out of a situation, if we break it right down now, just elevate out of a situation, we have to separate yourself. So how do you separate it? It's not so easy. I'll just like, it's not easy said, but it's one step at a time. Understanding that what what factors that are in your life right now that's causing you, if it's people, that's not serving you in a healthy way, a situation that's not serving you in a healthy way, going to a certain, going to certain places that's not serving you in a healthy way, even listening to certain music, television show, whatever it is that's not serving you, start to separate yourself. That's what it is. You start to separate yourself from situation, people, whatever it is, because not everything that that we keep in our life, that our inner life serves us in a healthy way, which brings us to something I always say, burn that mental bridge. If that mental bridge is unhealthy, burn it. Again, mind management, going back there, self-care. I wrote a blog on that, on elevation um, requires uh, separation. So on our social media, you'll read a little bit about that, how you separate and start to take care of you, you. Everything about you, your dreams, everything, and start healing. The key thing is start healing.
1: Yeah. And when you do that in healing in the mind, it also helps with healing in the body. It's again, it's mm-hmm. all connected. And we know that now. This is not hocus pocus. Yeah. This is all well documented uh, how this yeah. is affected. So let's, we don't have a lot of time left. We actually only have about a minute left. Uh, but you mm-hmm. have a blog up on what she dot com. You have the twenty one day challenge on the Facebook that yeah. people should go and join in. But is there any parting words you'd like to leave people with for this week's uh, interview?
6: I just want everybody to know that self sabotage is common, and don't think and don't be so hard on yourself. What you're going through, like the disappointments, there it is hard. It's frustrating, but just Honor what yourself and not be so hard. Cause once you honor what you're feeling, whether it's negative or positive, of course positive, but we honor, but even the negative aspect, because that's your emotion, why you're going through it. So the first thing what I would love to leave right now is just honor yourself. Honor what you're going through, acknowledge what you're going through, and know that self-sabotage, getting stuck is common, but we don't have to remain there. Just go park car on a road. We can just move and keep moving towards what 2022, 2022 has for us. And
1: Wonderful. And that's why people ahead. should keep tuning in every month mm-hmm. to hear the sacred space on What She Said Talk. Get the blog, join the 21-day challenge, follow you on social. That's all easily accessible on the What She Said Talk website. Denise, thank you so much. You're always a breath and calming <laughs> a breath of
6: fresh air. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you.
5: Well, you know, this uh, first season of Bel-Air, which is the um, years, decades later, uh, sequel to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is so fundamentally different. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I know that people have been surprised by it. What has your uh, observation been in the responses?
7: What I've observed is that people who have seen it, they fall in love with the new show in like three minutes. They feel... Uh, especially people from the African-American community, I think they really feel seen. And even in the subtleness of some of the choices we've made, I mean, the music, people are just really overwhelmed by how much they felt, thought of. And then people who haven't seen it, they feel just like it's the rudest thing we could ever do to touch a classic. And I understand that because that's how I felt, too, before I ever saw Morgan Cooper's viral trailer of this idea. Before I ever saw it, I thought it was ridiculous.
5: I thought it was challenging and dark and in most ways unrelated to the original, which was pure entertainment. But this is, it's entertainment plus it's provocative and very much of the times. And I think that is so important. So, you
7: know, congratulations on it. Thank you. You know, to me it points to as well, like you look at all of the great comedians, They take pain and turn it into joy. And so, of course, Fresh Prince did the same thing. They took very difficult conversations and found like the joy and funny in it. But if you take the joy and funny out and just look at it, you're like, oh, that's a lot. And I must say that um, Aunt Viv is such a strong
5: role model as a woman, as a wife, mother, aunt, and uh, and protector. But she can't be perfect. So tell me what's coming up.
7: Honey, you know, Ann Viv starts off uh, sort of claustrophobic in her world. She's like a perfect paper doll cut out of like Michelle Obama. She's trying her best to be like this specific sort of wife for her husband who's running for D.A. for a woman who lives in Bel Air. And I think when Will comes in, his presence reminds her of who she used to be, that non apologetic, unapologetic artist that. Was in her that just went to sleep because you know it's so normal for women to get focused on their husbands' li- lives or whoever their significant other is. It's just like something we're great at being chameleons, and I think over the course of the show, you start to she starts to realize like forget being a chameleon. What was my passion? And so she'll have some uh, difficult, challenging conversations with her husband, with her kids with her entire life. And I think who she becomes by the end of it is someone who starts to take off a lot of those cages and she gets more free. And I think it's really great for women to be reminded that it doesn't matter what age you are, you can always begin again and be great. True enough, that, that's
5: fantastic. And her children are so very different. Carlton, for some reason, although he's had these very supportive parents and such a loving mother, um, he's, you know, Will's come along and he's disenchanted and he's angry and threatened and kind of fierce which didn't didn't suit my idea of what your son would be or well, what Viv's son would be but I thought, well, this is maybe reality, so
7: Yeah, it is, you know, I love I mean, every, I could do a whole thesis on why each character turns, each child turns out the way they do but yeah. Carlton Is not a kid who grew up in West Philadelphia. He didn't grow up in North Carolina like his dad. And that's very important. You know, if you're a Black kid, any kid that feels other than, if they're not surrounded by their own, then they might assimilate to everyone else. And so in this version, uh, and this is true in the original version, Carlton tried his best to assimilate with everyone around him, which means it's like, yeah, he loves his mom and dad, but he really doesn't know what makes him significant as an African-American. He he doesn't really understand the culture. Um, And so what he does is he really assimilates to the predominant white culture. And there's good things and bad things. The good things is, is that he learned to win. He's probably the most popular guy, but I guarantee you that he's surrounded by white people who tell him that he's not like a black guy, that he's so much more attractive, even though he is black. And these are lots of microaggressions that slowly brainwash people to think that Black means dirty, uneducated, and less than. And that is what has happened to him. And so when Will Smith's character comes in, who is so unapologetically like a Black dude from Philadelphia with like a Southern swag, it just goes against everything that he's done to be perfectly white in this Black body. And so for people who are African-American, that storyline hits really deep because it becomes a choice in life. Do you buy into when white people say that you're better than black people? Or do you become the black person who pushes back and says, no, I'm black and my people come from greatness? Wow. Wow. Well, I feel sorry for him now. I mean, listen, honey. And as the clip goes on, you will really feel sorry for him. And then he'll become the most likable person. Oh, good. Well, that's nice. <laughs> but this is what it's all about. It's journeys.
5: I mean, literally journeys. Will's come from his place to their place, and he faces uh, racism, classism, not perfect enough manners.
7: You know, Will Will flies off the handle too quickly. You know, uh, Carlton has done a great job of keeping rage in, but that rage that he has for all of these microaggressions has turned into like a form of self hate. Self medication, you know. So, I think for people in the culture, it becomes a new way to look at Carlton and it makes us think, like, why did we make fun of Carlton? Back in the 90s, we used to say Carlton wasn't even black, he was white. And now in 2020, looking at that through a different lens, you realize how horrible that is. Any, you're black if you're born in Africa, you're black if you're born with darker skinned people. Like, there's no club here. And I think for white people, it makes them realize, like, oh, why did I ever say that thing to my friend about her not being really Black? Or what does it mean when I tell someone that they're pretty for a Black woman? Like, what did that mean? So the show oh does God. a lot of things on a subtle level.
5: Best of luck with the show. And I hope that there's another season so that we can all learn and we can all empathize in our own ways. So thank you so much. He's
3: More with Candace Sampson and What She Said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region.
1: Betrayal, believe it or not, can be an opportunity. With the proper life coaching skills and full understanding of your identity, you will not only feel equipped but empowered to live a vibrant, fulfilling life no matter the adversity you've been through or will encounter. Stephanie Rourke-Jackson, founder of Beaking Coaching and Leadership, is on a mission to help people step into the full potential of their true essence. She is joining me today to discuss betrayal trauma and how to find the opportunities within it. Welcome to the show, Stephanie.
0: Hi, Candace. Thank you so much for having me. So,
1: I mean, let's just start with, you know, what's the definition of betrayal trauma?
0: Yeah, so betrayal trauma is like any other kind of trauma. There is a system, a nervous system overload that happens when you are confronted by something that is dangerous or threatens you.
1: So it's a little bit like the grieving process, I imagine.
0: Yeah, and betrayal trauma, it's, it's about having broken trust uh, in a relationship, whether it's from infidelity or excessive pornography use, or there's there's something that's deceptive that is now cutting through a couple's relationship. And very much like the grieving process, the initial reaction or the stages of grieving are shock. Obviously, you're in tremendous amount of shock when something is happening that was behind your back. And then from there, you're bargaining, what did I do wrong? Um, how could we have uh, done things differently no this didn't really happen to the anger there's a lot of rage there's a lot of anger that comes out obviously you've been hurt there's a lot of shame and embarrassment and then extreme sadness just this loss of wow that's not what I thought I had I didn't sign up for this and this feels heavy it's prickly it hurts there's pain attached to it there's pain attached mentally physically emotionally to it and then finally, you get to a place where there's acceptance. And that can take a very long time, Candace, months to even a couple of years of like, this really happened. So now what? Which leads to hope. And if you hang on and you go through the proper steps of recovery, you can have amazing healing and become something stronger and more resilient because of it.
1: I think it's important to note for people because you're coming at this a little bit with authority on the subject matter because this has in fact happened to you, correct?
0: Yes, that is true. I am a trained and professional coach, but I have lived experience with infidelity. Ten years ago, my husband came home and dropped the biggest bomb um, and confessed that he had been having an affair, which then, you know, triggered me to go into a healing state and us. So we had um, not only just betrayal trauma, which is the individual or the the person who's been betrayed and going through all of that, but there's also relational trauma, the trauma to the marriage itself. And both of those need to be treated separately, but they go alongside of each other. So individual trauma, betrayal, uh, some of the steps and some of the, the really important things that have to happen is safety needs to be secured. Because it's gone at this point, it's totally gone. So you want to be working with experts, therapists, doctors, um, psychiatrists, coaches, recovery groups that have um, experience in this that can hold the space, but then ask the proper questions and guide you on a treatment plan that is going to work for you.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important to note, you know, those initial responses we have to things like this, you know, you want to be calm and measured in your responses because it's all chain reaction it can be a positive chain reaction going forth from this occurrence or it could be negative
0: right well it's going to be negative at first (laughs) let me yeah 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 i mean clearly it's not like well this just happened so let's see how we're going to put some positive vibes out there and spin this make it work in my favor it that is not that is nobody's case um initially But you're right. It's with your mindset of determining how are we or how am I going to handle this? What kind of life do I want to have? Because I can either stay stuck in this shame spiral and think that my life is over because the worst has happened. Or I can say, hey, something really terrible has happened. This adversity is something that I'm facing. But the challenge and the opportunity here for me is what can I do about it? How can I become stronger? How can I grow? What can I learn about myself? And how can I change even some of who I am? And I'm not saying that, you know, the the person who's been betrayed needs to completely change because they were doing it all wrong. That is not true. In fact, it is not your fault. Your spouse made a choice without you. Didn't come to you and say, hey, honey, I was thinking maybe I should have an affair. What do you think? I mean, this was done behind your back. So you can either say, well, I, you know, uh, you can stay in that place of shame and discomfort and embarrassment, or you can choose to say, okay, This is what happened. What are we going to do? Who am I going to bring into my tribe? Like, who are the people that I trust? Where do I feel safe? How am I going to rebuild? And there are some changes. There are some things that in my personal life, like I had to really look at. Okay. This is a, deep,
1: heavy subject. I wish we had a lot of time to talk about it. We don't, unfortunately. I do hope this doesn't happen to anybody, but if it does, I want them to be able to connect with you. Uh, You have excellent advice on this subject matter, um, amongst other things. So where can people find you?
0: Yeah, I'm at beaconcoaching.ca. And my my uh, handle for Instagram is at beacon underscore coaching CA. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Stephanie Roark jackson And I would welcome a 30-minute clarity call with anybody who wants to even talk about any stage that they're at to provide hope, help, healing.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're so welcome. That's it for What She Said for this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com. And be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to re-listen to this episode and find full details for all of today's guests. I'll be back next week with more What She Said on 1059 The Region.
3: Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com.